Thanks again for listening to the Park Hills Podcast. If you want more info on the things we're doing, go to parkhillschurch.com or the Park Hills Church app. Well, welcome to the team, Jonathan Pearson. Thank you. Lovely to have you here. And your first podcast episode as well. It is. is this, ever. I was, was going to ask, is it your first podcast ever. episode? Yeah. Ever. Man, you're going to become a, a junkie soon. You're going to be hooked on being on podcasts. <laughs> I don't know if that's true. All right. So let's just spend a little time here. Who are you? Philosophically, existentially, I don't care which way you go here, but... But what do we need to know about you? Jonathan Pearson, the new campus pastor at Winnebago. Yeah, that, that's a loaded question there. So much to say in so little time. Right. Uh, well, my name's Jonathan Pearson. I've been in ministry, full-time ministry for the last 15 years, uh, primarily serving in Hispanic contexts. Uh, from Venezuela to Des Plaines to Palatine to Franklin Park. Um, I love teaching and preaching the Word of God. Uh, I'm married uh, to my wife, Edimar. Been In December, it'll be 15 years. And we have two kids, my daughter, Joy, who's six, and my son, Luke, who's two. Um, yeah. That's that's great. That's perfect. So I think the big thing I, I want to hear from you, and we've talked a little bit about this, but what most excites you about the opportunity here? Or you could even go with the direction of why why Park Hills, why Park Hills Winnebago? And, you know, if, if your answer is, no, we can just go back and d- delete it and start all over. So you can't mess this up. Just, just, just run along. Do your thing. <laughs> Uh, well, the opportunity uh, to come here was passed along to me uh, um, as something to consider. And full disclosure, my initial reaction was no. Yeah. Um, and some of that was because I loved the places that I was serving in. And some of that also was just uh, conceptions that come to mind when you think about what specific roles are and what they mean. Sure. And not having either the best experience in the past interviewing with those kind of positions or just hearing things from other pastors about, about those kind of things. Um, but as, as I looked at it and heard about it and thought about it, like I said, my initial reaction was no, but then the more I thought about it, I said, well, this is, this is dumb. I should I should at least reach out, mm-hmm. see what it is, mm-hmm. have a conversation, and then know for sure that I can say no to it. <laughs> and and then our first conversation just totally disarmed whatever it was that I thought it was going to be. <laughs> and I thought, okay, I like this guy. I liked our conversation, um, and I felt that it was worth having more conversations. So as that went on, um, to my wife and I became more and more clear that, that maybe the Lord was doing something here. 
And um, what really excited me about the position, several things. One is, is like I said earlier, I, I really uh, love teaching and preaching the Word of God and, and knowing that uh, I would have an opportunity to continue to do that was something that mm-hmm. that really excited me. But also just the vision of where the church as a whole is going, the vision of the Winnebago campus. Um, and, and in some ways, I felt like I I felt like I was ready um, to take some further steps in ministry to grow in other areas that that um, I hadn't been able to before. Um, something that really stuck out from those conversations that, that I liked, um, was an opportunity for gospel witness in mm-hmm. an area where, um, in an area that desperately needs more of that. Yeah. Um, and being able to be a part of a staff and a team, um, getting to know you and Rich and some of the others on staff, um, really excited me and, and made me feel like this is a, uh, a healthy environment and a good place to grow and go deeper. Yeah. And uh, listener, no, I did not uh, slip him a $20 bill for any of those things to be said. That was, that was actually the first time I've heard some of those things, which was really kind of cool. So I, I agree here. Some of the things that, that interest us in you was we did hear some of your preaching. We thought that that totally fits in line with where we're at. And then, you're going to learn this as time goes on, but Winnebago is a very unique locale as far as Hispanic population and everything else. And we're kind of going, all right, God, if this is you, are you going to do something else down the road here that we can't even plot and plan? So you guys were uh, an answer to prayer for us and for that campus, but then also just, you know, a, a curiosity for us about what, all right, God, what are you going to do next? Is there something else in store? So I think that's pretty cool to hear that. Well, and so with that said, you said your wife's name is Edamar. You have two kids. Uh, you said you've served in Hispanic cultures from Venezuela or Hispanic contexts from Venezuela all the way to the Chicagoland. So where did that come from? Tell, share a little bit of your testimony. What did God do in your life? You know, how did pastoral ministry become a thing? And then where did the missions field come into all this? Yeah, so I grew up in a, in a Christian home. Uh, my dad... Um, has been a pastor for almost my entire life for 40 years. And uh, so grew up as a PK and, you know, had people in the church as a kid ask me, you know, are you going to be a pastor like your dad? My immediate answer was always no. <laughs> um, and it wasn't until really high school, I had a, I had a really good youth pastor um, who, who played a very formative role in my discipleship and, and kind of uh, spiritual growth, uh, saw things in me that I didn't see, mm-hmm. um, and really encouraged me in, in, in areas that, you know, I, I just wasn't even thinking about. So he, like, after I graduated from high school, he asked me to kind of join the, uh, the volunteer team as a, as a youth leader. And, and he started to give me opportunities to like, teach the students and so there there was i mean it's a long story there, there's seeds been that have been sown uh for a long time coming um but where things really shifted into thinking about ministry as as a calling in my life was taking a short-term missions trip to venezuela in 2001 mm-hmm. so that was with my home church with with uh 
the youth group and I was going to be going as a volunteer leader. I had opportunities when I was in the youth group as a student to go on uh, these short-term trips, which I had zero desire for at the time. And, and when that one came up to go to Venezuela, I felt like I wanted to go. I felt like maybe I had missed out on an opportunity that I should have taken advantage of earlier in my life and just prayed and asked God, like, if it's your will for me to go, then make it clear to me. And so there was one day that I was uh, driving around with my youth pastor and we were talking about the trip and he's just like, I really want you to go. So I felt like that was God's confirmation for me to go. We went for two weeks doing construction in a VBS. And um, by the end of those two weeks, I didn't know that my life was radically changing right. at that point. I just remember at the end of those two weeks praying and saying to God, like, if I could ever do something like this again, I would do it. Mm -hmm. And little did I know, five months later, I would be back in Venezuela again. So there was there was other people on that trip. That initial trip was 52 people, a huge, huge yeah, group. Yeah, that's huge. And there was another youth leader um, who had a similar type experience of never having done something like that before and and feeling like God was doing something in his life. And and he was kind of a, a mentor, discipler to me as well. And so he organized smaller teams to go back and do follow-up in the area that we were. So he invited me to go back. I went back. And really, at, by, at, by the end of that trip, I felt like my life was changing. Mm -hmm. um, and then, you know, I ended up going two times a year from 2001 to... 2007. So I'd gone on 15 short-term trips um, before I ended up moving there. But it was, you know, by the fourth or fifth trip, I knew like everything that I was previously pursuing has changed. Sure. Uh, I felt a, a strong calling on the Lord to to pursue that. Ended up going to Moody Bible Institute um, to kind of get some foundation and preparation for that. Uh, then by the time I graduated, um, I was raising support and then mm -hmm. By 2008, I was there full-time. That's awesome. That's really great. So when did you go back and get your master's? So that was, so I, I was in Venezuela full-time uh, for three years. I okay. thought I was going to be there a lot longer than that. I thought the Lord would call me home there. Yeah. Uh, I went with that kind of. He did call you home, but well, different, yeah. a different home. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, Heavenly home is yes, what I was thinking. I, I know what you yeah, meant, yeah, but yeah. he called you back to Chicago. So, clearly. so, um, so I did that, and, and the and it. This is a, another story within itself, but I seemed like the doors were closing for ministry there, and and initially was kind of uncertain of what the next steps would be or if I should leave at all, mm -hmm. and and so I ended up coming back to the U.S. for kind of like a missionary furlough for a couple months. Got introduced to the GLD Hispanic uh, district leader, and uh, told him my story where my heart was at and he asked me hey have you ever considered um pastoring a hispanic church in the u.s and i had not and and then as he explained it to me and expressed the need i was like okay this actually makes a lot of sense mm -hmm. because i i didn't want to i i felt that learning spanish and loving the culture and all that i i just felt like i didn't want to leave that behind I, I really wanted to continue investing in that so uh i ended up pastoring a Hispanic congregation for three and a half years in Des Plaines. 
And so then after being on the mission field for in Venezuela for three years, then at that place for three and a half years, by the end of that time, I felt like I need more help. Mm-hmm. In, in ter- it, because when I graduated from Moody, I loved Moody. It was foundational in my life. Um, there's things about it that I carry with me to this day. Um, so grateful for that time. But when I graduated, I was like, I'm done with school. Yeah. Like I didn't want to ever see it again. Sure. <laughs> um, but after the, after that being in ministry full time for six and a half years, I felt there's more things that I need to learn more mm-hmm. tools that I need for myself. Um, and so that led me to Trinity. Um, and so I did, I, I did that. Um, and, and from there, well, from there I, I ended up, so one, one of the challenges that I saw in the Hispanic church that wasn't being addressed in the, in the one that, that I started in, in the U S was how do you reach the second and third generation? Yep. It's the big question that most churches yeah. are dealing with. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and so I felt that there was a, that there was a huge gap there and, and, and with myself, you know, being American and my wife, Venezuelan, like kind of representing both languages and both cultures, I felt like we're kind of equipped to help address some of these issues mm-hmm. and bridge some of those gaps. So I really felt a burden of being more intentional and in reaching that next generation and that, um, and was looking for ways to, to how, how can we do that? And, and then also feeling at the same time the need to go to seminary and get more training. Mm-hmm. So that, that led me to end up leaving Displains because I didn't think I could stay there, you know, pastoring and being a full-time student. So I ended up, another church within the GLD in Palatine um, reached out knowing that I was pursuing something like that and asked if I would be the youth pastor there uh, part-time while I could go to school. Mm-hmm. So um, that's kind of how that, that worked out. Yeah, that makes sense. So you've been in the States since what, 2011 or 2000? Yep. Yeah. Okay. 2011, so, yep. and so then, you know, coming back to the first part of your story, so then you're, you're serving these two churches in Chicagoland and then you felt uh, a strong urge to say no to us. And then the Lord corrected your heart and, and drew you this way, which I'm, I'm joking, but, but what's funny is I, that story happens more often for people in this area and in, even in this church. Like I said no to Mark when he first asked me to come back home. I'm like, no, I'm not, no, I'm not doing it. But what's beautiful is when we sometimes say no, the Lord has other plans, and then he sort of corrects our heart and draws us where we're supposed to be. And, and with that said, like, we're excited to have you on the team. We're excited to see what, what God's going to do with you. And uh, I'm, I'm just, yeah, I'm just happy to have you here. And it's been a delight to get to know you over the last couple of weeks as we get you settled here or, or semi-settled and, yeah. and then figuring all this out. But I think because it's Mission Sunday this Sunday, one of the big things I want to talk to you about just for a few minutes here, because I think this will be one of those discussions that you and I will probably have many times over as we work through maybe even minor prophets or, you know, I'm thinking about First Peter 1, the idea of being sojourners, the missional aspect of what God has called us to be and do. I think you and I are going to have some really fun missional meta conversations on this podcast about what that looks like. But as you look at missions and you think about missions and you've had experience in it, you've led trips, you've served in churches that really are missionary type churches, even in the States. What are some of your perceptions of missions? What What's working and what do you think maybe doesn't work as well? Uh, you know, kind of as you look forward to jumping into Park Hills and, and helping us think this through. 
Yeah. Um, there's definitely a lot there to talk about. Mm-hmm. Um, I think for a while, the the thought behind missions was short-term trips and, and churches, um, you know, sending teams, yep. uh, either sh- short-term and then, you know, having people outside of that that would end up going to the field, you know, full-time. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think over the last several years, there's been a lot of pushback against short-term te- teams um, in terms of how useful are they, um, how um, how effective are they actually being. Um, you know, there's a lot of stories about short-term teams kind of messing things up <laughs> um, in, in terms of, you know, wanting to take control or you know, thinking that they're coming to fix all of their problems. Um, and, and I think those are things that th- there is some validity to that stuff. I look back on, on the short-term trips that I took, uh, especially the ones in the beginning where I didn't really know, you know, I wasn't the one leading those trips. I didn't speak Spanish at the time. And so there was a lot behind the scenes that I didn't know. And I look back on some of that stuff now that I've kind of been able to piece together some of that stuff and have more of those conversations like, oh, I think I think we could have done things better. Mm-hmm and and wish that we would have um however i still am a big proponent of short-term trips mm-hmm. because that was something that radically changed my life and that's sure. that's not going to be the case for everybody um but uh to me I, I i see the shift being more towards um kind of supporting like national pastors and leaders yeah. uh, so that they're able to do the work in most times a lot more effective way sure because they know the language they know the culture uh that's not to say that there's never a need for missionaries to leave you know from the u.s to other countries Uh, of course that's still very much needed um but i i've seen um churches do that really really well Mm -hmm. and, and and focus on on supporting national uh pastors and leaders and and to me that that's really exciting because these are these are giving them opportunities to uh, to be in ministry that they wouldn't have otherwise. Sure. Because like for example in Venezuela to be a full time paid pastor is like is is a joke. Like yeah. That's that's not considered a profession. Um, and and so there's there's very little you know everybody's bivocational there. Um, so to see uh, churches finding key national leaders and pastors and supporting them so that they can do the work. And then there's, there's all kinds of ways to support that through short-term teams and, and other things like that. But, but I see that, and I, 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 like, I really like that model. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I'm with you. I, I mean, missions had a big impact on me in, in high school. And to your point, I agree with you. It's not going to have the same impact on everybody, but not everybody's called to missions. Right. And, right. I, and I know you know that, but like, there's this element that whenever that gets thrown in my face by people, like, oh, it's just a waste of time and money. No, I have tons of students that I've taken on short-term you know, trips who have been a part of a team who many of them have gone on to become missionaries themselves, or many of them have jumped into ministry knowing a little better yeah. of what it is, or they've 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 become a very valuable part of their church's ministry and they now give to missions in an ex, you know extraordinary way because they're like 
well, I know that this is something beyond even what the church can do, so I'm going to support these people. One of my favorite stories I have is, uh, and I've shared this at church here before, but there, I know someone whose entire fridge is filled with the missionaries they support. Mm-hmm. And he's a very high-ranking engineer in a company making a ton of money, and they live on less than they should just to make sure that they are able to just support and pray for a huge group of people. And I'm going, that's not for everybody, but that's the mission that we're called to, Yeah, right? God's doing something in the world that's in your own backyard, that's in churches in Chicago, that's in churches in Venezuela, Haiti, you know, Honduras, elsewhere. And we don't think about what is our part to play in that. And I love it when I'm able to sort of capture someone's attention for a short period of time and help them open their eyes to, whoa, God is doing something amazing. And then secondarily, I want to be a part of that. So I'm going to jump yeah. in. And I think I, I'm with you. The, the the movement that's been happening recently with more nationals being supported. We have four Kenyan pastors that we, we support. Nice. And it, 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 it's going to sound wrong, but it, it costs the church considerably less money to support those four than it does sometimes for us to support one um, American missionary who would go to Kenya. And what's ironic is that's the only support they need Yeah, is what we're giving them. And so we're making a huge impact on churches in Kenya because their pastor is supported and doesn't have to be bivocational. And I'm going, what a great idea. What a great model. And I think as, as God keeps doing things in the South and in the, uh, you know, the, the, the West and the East and the far East and, um, I'm going, this is beautiful. It's really neat to to see God doing this. So uh, all that to say, Mission Sunday is is in the wraps for this week and this month uh, and this year. And we are excited about what God's doing at, for missions here at, at Park Hills. And I think when I think about uh, just what God's doing, I, I'm, I'm so excited to see what he's going to do next. And I'm excited even more so for the conversations you and I are going to have about sort of setting up what the course of missions in Park Hills is going to look like. Yep, for sure. 